Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 42. The Bible says, And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Let's go to God in prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence once again tonight, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for your Son. We want to thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the blood that was shed for our sins. Lord, we thank you for the good singing we've heard tonight, the youth choir, the special singing. Lord, thank you for the testimonies that has been given tonight that's glorified you. And I pray now you'll bless the reading of thy word. We ask you, Lord, to bless your people. Thank Thank you for them being here and being in their place tonight. I pray you'll bless every home that is represented, every heart that is here. May the will of God be done, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to say on the outset of this message that Matthew chapter 10 is a great chapter that if you get time tonight or sometime this week, you ought to read it. One of the reasons I encourage you to do that is because the theme of Matthew chapter 10 is all about discipleship. Jesus is giving instructions concerning discipleship. In fact, if you go back to verse number one, the Bible says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits Spirit to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And so Jesus is dealing with discipleship in this chapter here. In the first 15 verses, he talks about the former disciples that were living during the days of Christ. And, and he gives the, the list and, and the, of the individuals that are here in verse number two, in verse number three. And then he gives the instruction to them in verse number five throughout until uh, you get to verse number 15. And so the first 15 verses has to do with the former disciples that were living during the day of Christ. And then in verse number 16 down to verse number 23, it has to deal with future disciples that will be living during the great tribulation period. You see, God's always gonna have someone that's following him and that's serving him. And Jesus talks about those future disciples that'll be living during the great tribulation period in verse number 16. And he tells them that the world in the end enemies of God is going to hate you, but in verse number 20, the Spirit of God is going to help you, amen? He said, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And Jesus encourages them. He lets them know that they're going to face persecution. In verse number 16 and 17, he reminds them that they're going to face religious persecution. In verse number 18, he tells them they're going to face a political persecution. They're going to be scourged in the synagogue in verse 17 by, by the religious leaders, uh, the political leaders in verse number 18, the governors and the kings uh, are going to persecute them. They're going to face family persecution in verse number 21. Brother shall deliver up brother and father the child and children shall rise up against their parents and then they're going to face general persecution in verse number 22 as he said you shall be hated of all men. And so he's talking 
talking about the future disciples that's going to go through the great tribulation period. Then when we get to verse 24 throughout the rest of the chapter, he talks about faithful disciples uh, uh, that will be living and that are living during uh, the church today. And so this is a chapter that talks about discipleship, beginning with the former disciples, uh, looking ahead to future disciples, and then talking about faithful disciples uh, that are living now during the church age. I'm glad that God's had men then, but God still has men and women that are serving him today. Friend, you may have to worry about a lot of things going under, and nothing in this world is forever, but I'm gonna tell you one thing, one institute, one living organism that's going to make it all the way through this world, and that is the church, amen? I'm telling you, the Lions Club one day will be closed. Uh, uh, the Moose's Club one day will be closed. Uh, AA will one day be closed, uh, uh, but I'll tell you, the church of the living God, uh, no matter how much the world despises us, uh, no matter how much she hates us, uh, we're not going under, but thank God we are going up, amen? Uh, we are marching on uh, in these last days. Uh, uh, God always has had people, and he always will by the grace of God, amen? And so he's talking about discipleship, but when we get to verse number 42, the last verse of this text here, we're talking about great men, we're talking about great persecution, but when we get to verse number 42, I want you to notice that Jesus takes the last verse and he narrows everything down to just a small ministry, just a small thing, one cup of cold water to one little one. I read that the other day and I got to thinking of all the disciples, of all the, the, the instructions that's given throughout this chapter. Jesus comes to the last verse and he wants to just talk about one. One man, one ministry, one person in need, one little small ministry. And I want to preach tonight on this subject, on the ministry of small things. The ministry of small things. You see, a lot of people want to do great things for God. But when I look in the Word of God, some of the greatest things in the Word of God were small things. You know that? You say, what do you mean? Well, it was five loaves and two small fishes that fed 5,000 people and there was many left over. It was a little oil in a cruise uh, and a little meal in a barrel. It was a little maiden that helped Nahum the, uh, the leopard and her name and the leopard uh, and helped him to get healed. It was a small cloud the size of a man's hand, uh, uh, my friend, that brought great abundance of rain. Jesus, when he talked about faith, uh, he talked about the smallest of the of the of the seeds of this earth, uh, mustard seed, the mustard seed, uh, and Jesus said, "If you just had faith uh, as the grain of the mustard seed, uh, the least of all seeds," Jesus said, "You could say to that mountain, be moved in the midst of the sea, and it would take place." Uh, what, what I'm saying tonight uh, is that we ought to not despise uh, the day of small things. Zechariah four and verse ten says, uh, "The ministry of small things, uh, uh, God does." great things uh, through small things, uh, but we're living in a time that if we're not careful, we'll overlook the small things of life. When we come to this verse tonight, notice with me five things we need to observe concerning the ministry of small things. First of all, I want you to notice in this verse here the one giving. He said, and whosoever shall give to drink. 
I notice about the one giving in this verse here is that he is a whosoever. That that means anybody. Jesus, when he talked about the ministry of small things, uh, he narrowed it down, uh, or he didn't narrow it down, but he widened it and and made it so broad that he said, whosoever. Who is the person in this verse? Uh, Well, that person could be me. That person could be you. That person could be a former disciple like you talked about in the early verses. Uh, That person could be a future disciple going through the great tribulation. That person could be one of these faithful disciples uh, that's living in the church age. Uh, What Jesus is teaching here is that anybody that wants to get involved in the ministry of God, if they're a disciple, they can get involved. Uh, It's a whosoever. I notice he's a whosoever. I notice that he's willing. Amen. He said and whosoever shall give. Uh, Here's a man that's willing to give. I think that's the question in all of our lives tonight. Are we willing to give in the ministry of God? I'm I'm not just talking about financial giving. I'm talking about are we willing, willing to give of our time? Are we willing to give of ourselves? Are we willing to give of our sacrifice? I, I mean, we've got enough people sitting on the pews uh, doing nothing in this hour. Can I get a witness right there? Brother, our churches uh, have got plenty of people that never get involved in the work of God. All they do is come and just take up space. Uh, listen, half of them, you can't even get them to sing in the choir. You can't get them to go to Sunday school or to show up on time. Can I get an amen right there. I'm telling you uh, lay in the bed till about uh, uh, 9.30 and then come dragging in about 10.45. Uh, I'm talking about listen, uh, and listen. You can't do nothing with a crowd like that. And while I'm on the subject if you're under 75 years old uh, you ought to get to Sunday school on time. And I'm talking to this crowd right here. Amen. I'm talking to some of you sitting in the back uh, uh, that's young and well bodied and able and you come dragging in here about 20 minutes late. Uh, I mean listen uh, I I had a wife, I got a wife and had two children at home and every one of us got to Sunday school on time and if we can get to Sunday school on time, if you're single, you ain't got no excuse. Can I get an amen right there? Boy, I wish I was preaching that on Sunday morning. But probably some of I know some of y'all need it tonight and you know I know some of you need it tonight and you don't even have to ask yourself if I'm talking to you because you know I'm talking to you, amen? I mean, listen, get up early enough and get to church. Can I get a witness right there? I'm not preaching that to be mean. I'm telling you that because I love you, amen? And because I'm tired of watching you drag in on Sunday. I mean, listen, there's people sitting here. They got all kinds of ailments and sicknesses and they get to church on time. If you're young body and well-able, God help your sorry self. I don't know why I'm nailing it, but I'm just gonna go ahead and nail her down. You ought to purpose in your heart tonight. You're never gonna be late for Sunday school again if you can help it by the grace of God. Amen. Amen, preacher. Preach on. I don't know how that's in that verse, but it's in there somewhere. Amen. It's right there in black and white, even though it's red letters. You got the right Bible to be black and white. The one given is a whosoever. He's willing. He's a worker. Notice the Bible said, and whosoever shall give, notice this, to drink. Now we don't think much about that because to give somebody a drink in this day and time, we tell them to go in the kitchen and help themselves or or we go in there and open the refrigerator and get them a bottle of water or we get a cup out of the cabinet and we turn the faucet on. It's very simple in our day and time, but in Bible days it wasn't that that way. There was effort that had to be involved in going and getting a drink of water for someone. But here, this man is a worker. He's willing to get involved in the work of God. I mean, don't be late 
lazy when it comes to, to serving God. Don't make excuses for your service. I mean, some people have the worst luck if you want to believe in luck, amen? Because they've always got a reason as to why they're not doing something for God. Do you know tonight, listen, the devil will give you a thousand reasons not to serve him, not to serve God. But tonight, if you want to serve God, God will give you grace to overcome every excuse that the devil puts in your pathway. This man's he's willing. He's a whosoever. He's a worker. I want you to notice the one who is giving in this verse. Then I want you to notice the one who is getting. The Bible said, whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones. And notice that he's a specific person. One of these little ones. You know, I'm glad God works on an individual basis. Just one counts tonight. You might say, well, well, Brother Gravely, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't really have a ministry to the masses and, and maybe you teach a Sunday school class and, and, and it's a small crowd. Maybe you go down there and you preach at the mission or you preach at a nursing home or you preach at a, uh, listen, a retirement center somewhere so, or, and it's just one or two. But you know, God, he's interested in the one. Oh, I'm glad he was interested in the one. I remember one day sitting in a church when I was that one, don't you? I'm glad he was interested in coming to the pew where I was. Uh, he was interested in coming to the pew where you were, not just for salvation. You think about all the times God has invested in our life uh, by laying something on a preacher's heart uh, and by, listen, him preaching something he didn't even plan on preaching, like coming to Sunday school on time, amen? Uh, you know why God does things like that? Because he's interested in you. Uh, he cares enough uh, to not just get you and not just, but he wants to see you through this life. He wants to equip you. He wants the best for you tonight. Amen. The one getting, he's a specific one. You know, everybody is a specific person. We ought to be careful in the service of God that we don't overlook people. It's so easy to focus on people. You know, some people come in the room mouth first. You, you probably met people like that. Amen. I know you're not that way, but you probably know somebody. They come in and, and, and they, everybody in the building knows they're there and, and it's easy to minister to that person. But what about the person that can easily be overlooked? What about the bum on the side of the road? What about the person that's insignificant to this world? This is, they're one, they're someone. You say, preacher, why are they so important? Because Jesus died for that one. He loves that one. They're specific, they're small. Notice he said, and whosoever shall give to drink one of these little ones. This could be a young believer, a young disciple. It's someone that, that is young in the Lord. It could even be someone that is small. But what it does indicate is that God is interested in not just a specific individual, but he's interested in the smallest individual. He's interested in the least significant person as far as in the eyes of this world. But God cares about everybody. I think about that song that said he loves me like I was his only child. And isn't it true tonight that God doesn't have no special children? He's no respecter of persons tonight. I mean, listen, God loves you every bit as much as he loved Daniel, as much as he loved David. God loves you as much as he loves the person sitting across the aisle from you. And you say, but preacher, I messed up and I made a lot of blunders. I don't know every blunder you made, but God knows every one of them, but yet he loves you. He loves you because God is love. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, uh, listen, he cares for us. Uh, and listen, this one getting is a specific one. He's small. Uh, 
he's single, but thank God he's interested in the individual. No one is too small to be ministered to. That's what this verse is teaching us, uh, that no matter how little someone may be in the eyes of other people, or maybe even in our own eyes, uh, we ought to be willing to take the time uh, and invest in their life uh, and help them, amen? I see the one giving, I see the one getting, and then I notice the one gift here. Look what he says. He said, a cup of cold water. Now I want you to notice the container here. It's a cup. And when you think about a, a cup tonight, it's a vessel. And there's nothing special about the vessel. Amen. The Bible talks about that we have in this, we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. That's what we are tonight. We're earthen vessels, aren't we? There's nothing special about the cup. Amen. I mean, we carry the word of God. We carry the gospel uh, to those that are thirsty and those that, that need a drink of cold water as cold water is to a thirsty soul. So is good news from a far country. But there's nothing special about the cup. Now, now I got a special cup at the house. I reckon everybody, I got about four, amen. One of them, I got, has got Donald Trump's face on the front of it, amen. And I like to drink coffee out of that cup. And when I, I like for it to be steaming hot when I drink, drink out of that cup because that's usually the way he was. Amen. But you know, I've got a special cup and you got a special cup or something. But you know, if I was to show that to you, it wouldn't mean anything to you tonight. Amen. Because it's not special to you. But you know, tonight, listen, we're nothing in this world. We're not worth anything in this world. But in the eyes of God, amen. I'm telling you, this old earthen vessel tonight, it don't look like much to this world. It's just an old cup of clay. I'm telling you, but to the master, hallelujah, we mean the world to him tonight. And we're special in the eyes of God. Just a cup is all we are. And then I noticed the content. He talked about water, amen. He talked about water. You know, the cup's not special, but water sure is, ain't it? Cold water. He talked about the condition of this content, that it was cold water. You say, preacher, why is that so important? Because in Bible days, cold water was hard to come by. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have my refrigerator tore up back before Christmas, and we had to get a we had to get a new one. And and we came home, and I thought, well, you know, I opened the refrigerator, and I thought maybe it's not too bad. But when I opened the refrigerator, and I reached in, and I got a bottle of water. It was it was warmer on the inside than if it had been sitting on the counter. When you think about that in Bible days, they had to go a long ways to get cold water. It was a timing issue, a temperature issue. They, they had to, to get cold water to somebody. It took great effort and it took hustling and it took time. To, uh, they had to be conscious of the time. And so uh, the Bible says here that if you should give one, a little one, a cup of cold water, I'm going to tell you to drink cold water in those Palestine areas. Uh, and that was something significant. That was something special. That was not something you ran across every day or at any moment or at any time. Uh, and listen, uh, when you think about that tonight. In this cup, uh, this old vessel that we have tonight, there's nothing special about the vessel, about the cup. Uh, I'll tell you the content that's on the inside sure is special. Amen. And the Bible said we have this treasure in earthen vessel. What is that treasure tonight? I'll tell you what that treasure is. Uh, it's the gospel. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost that lives uh, on the inside. Uh, and we bear the gospel. We bear the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's what makes us special tonight is the one who lives on the inside. 
You know, when you get a present, somebody gives you a present at Christmas time, there's several ways to wrap a gift. You know that. The best way I like to wrap a gift is go to one of those gift wrapping tables and just pay them to do it. Isn't that right? I mean, that's the best way. It's either that or a trash bag with a bow on it. That's that's what my family's getting if I do the wrapping. I'm either paying for it or I'm going to stick in a trash bag and put a bow on it. Amen. And uh, and you know what? But some people, they they take a lot of time in wrapping a gift, don't they? And I have have had people give gifts, and and, and boy, I could tell the way this thing was wrapped. I mean, mean, it's, it's really nice. The paper's expensive. Didn't come from Dollar General. Amen. Doesn't have Santa Claus on it. I mean, they took some time. They, they really bought some nice wrapping paper. They took time to, to, to crease it just right. And I mean, it looks good. And then they took time to put one of them really nice bows on it. But you know, as nice as it looks, nobody gets a present for what's on the outside. You don't take the present home and set it on the shelf and say, you know what? Well, I really appreciate what they got me there. I mean, I want you to look at that. I mean, isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's got them little curly, you know, uh, whatever bows that come down with all that mess on it, you know. And uh, I mean, it's a, and they took time to, you know, to, to put one of them real nice tags on it, you know. Uh, you know, I just usually take a Sharpie and write on there, uh, you know, to you from me, amen. Uh, that's just the quickest way to do it. But, you know, they, they took time. To, I mean, they, they really printed out a nice tag. You don't keep that. You look at it for about 30 seconds or less. And then you rip it off. Isn't that right? Because what's on the outside has no significance whatsoever. It's temporary. It's what's on the inside. And I want to tell you what you see on the outside is just temporary. But what about what's on the inside? A cup of cold water. Oh, listen to me tonight when you think about that. Listen, just a cup of cold water, what it could do for someone. There's been people that have handed you a cup of cold water in your lifetime spiritually. When you think about that, I think about people who say, what do you mean, preacher? I mean, they invested in your life. Uh, Maybe that cup of cold water was a song that they sung to you. Maybe it was a sermon that was preached, that was given unto you. Uh, It wasn't them, but it was the content of what they gave you. Maybe it was a timely testimony that you needed to hear at that moment. Maybe it was just a kind word that somebody reached across the aisle when your moment of despair and God used them to just give you a cup of cold water and say something that refreshed your soul. Amen. I'm telling you a cup, that little cup or that bottle can't refresh me but what's inside that bottle sure can refresh me. It can help me. It can quench a thirst. I'm telling you there have been some times I went to church Brother Laddie. I'm telling you I was so low I didn't know what I was going to do but somebody had a word somebody had a song somebody had a cup of cold water and God let me drink it and it helped me it refreshed me it got me down life's road a little bit further amen oh I want to tell you tonight Charles Spurgeon he made this statement about that he talked about that cup of cold water and he said this he said that there may be a sea of love in just a cup of cold water. Think about that. Somebody with a heart full of love saying one kind word could pull you out of a ditch that you've been in for a long time. Could get you out of the valley. I'm going to say tonight that a cup of, of cold water could do more 
for someone tonight that is, that is thirsty than, than a great banquet table could do for them. See the one gift. Notice the one goal tonight. What the Bible says here, only in the name of a disciple. You see, the connection has to be about ministry, membership, discipleship tonight. Only in the name of a disciple. Just giving cold water to someone uh, within itself will not do anything. But when it's done for the purpose of ministry, that's what makes the difference. You see, that's why it's so important about what we say, that we be led by the Holy Spirit. Because I sure don't want to give somebody bitter water. I want to give them something that's going to refresh them. Something that's going to help them. I, I don't want to give them poison. That's why it's so important when you sing a song that it's the right song to sing. Amen. Amen. That it ministers, that it refreshes their, their inner man. There, there's a lot of songs and there's a lot of music that appeals to the flesh, but it doesn't have anything to do with spirituality. And so it must be a spiritual song that, that sings and makes a melody to the Lord. That, that's the goal, isn't it? That, that we sing it for him, to them, for him, and that he gets the glory and that they get the help. And that's the purpose. That The sermon has to be that way. It cannot be a show of the flesh. It, it can't be a demonstration or a performance by the preacher but it's to be a message from God from the Bible, from the word of God that's the cold water that you need tonight it's not a smooth outline it's not a great delivery it's not an overwhelming personality oh no, I tell you what we need tonight we need the pure word of God amen, I'm telling you when a man of God gets up to preach, if he does anything he needs to tell the truth, amen he needs to tell what the Bible says because the Bible will feed your soul the Bible will refresh your spirit the word of God will help you, amen Nothing wrong with stories and illustrations and they can be effective. But I've seen times when people would read a verse, tell a 30-minute story, move people's emotions, get them to the altar. And I'm not saying that God can't never use something like that. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm telling you is this tonight, nothing takes the place of the Word of God. Amen, it helps us. It grows as the one goal. Then I want you to notice in closing tonight, I want you to see the one gain here. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. You know, Jesus talks about this cup of cold water, and he says, if you give it to somebody, he said, there's a gain in that. And he talks about he recognizes that cup of cold water. And he's going to reward that cup of cold water. You say, why would Jesus do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus had a cup ministry, didn't he? You remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he prayed and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Jesus drank the bitter cup, the dregs of sin. You know why? So that we would never have to drink that cup. You see, today, Brother Daniel, I don't have to give somebody a bitter cup. Jesus already drank that bitter cup. Now I can get them, give them a cup that's got something in it that'll refresh their inner man, their soul, their spirit, that'll revive them. Why? Because the bitter cup's done been drank. It's done been done away with. There's no need to have a bitter cup. We've got cold water now. And to a thirsty soul, we can give it to this lost and dying world. We can give it to the saints of God. I tell you, our churches are starving to death. Or should I I say they're thirsting to death for men of God to get up and preach. And my friend, I have some cold water to give for some singing. That'll have some cold water to give. I'm saying tonight, it'll refresh your spirit. Jesus had a cup ministry. David talked about a cup, didn't he? 
He said, my cup runneth over. I'm gonna tell you, when they got singing that last song tonight, I firmly promise you, I'll meet you by the river. My cup started running over. I know we're not in the cup age, we're in the river age, but I'm telling you, uh, my cup was running over with a river, amen. They got to singing that old song, how I, far I thought about my wife. I, I tell you, listen, I don't know when we're gonna separate from this life, uh, but we got a firm promise tonight uh, that come what may in this life, uh, I pray that we go together in the rapture, but if we don't go together, uh, thank God I firmly promise her and she promises me, we'll meet on the other side, uh, on the hills of glory, thank God, uh, on the sunny bank, of sweet deliverance. We'll bask in the sunlight of his love by the crystal river along the crystal sea. We'll sing throughout eternity and we'll live in the sunshine of the Shekinah glory. Oh, I feel God in my soul tonight. I'm telling you, thank God. You say, what's wrong, preacher? I feel like I got a good drink of a cup of cold water. I'm glad tonight it's real. It's real tonight. God is real. He's really my soul. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. He's real tonight. Isn't he real? You say, I wouldn't act like him. Please don't. Let me, amen. I'm telling you, it's good. Isn't that right? Uh, you don't have to act like me. I'll tell you, 30-something years ago, uh, God pulled me out of set pools of sin uh, and gave me a cool drink uh, from a far country. I ain't never been the same since. Uh, I wouldn't trade what I feel tonight uh, for all the money in this world. Hallelujah. I love old-time religion, don't you? It's good enough for me, friend. On a Wednesday night, on a cold January after a night, uh, old time religion, it's still good enough for me. Uh, I don't need the contemporary way. Uh, I don't need something new, something improved. Uh, uh, just give me the old time way. Uh, uh, just give me the old past. Uh, let's just keep walking in it. Uh, you say, why? Uh, because I've drank from that fountain long enough uh, uh, to know that it satisfies. Uh, it satisfies. Uh, it satisfies tonight. Hallelujah. It satisfies. Brother, I'm telling you, the word of God will feed your soul tonight. Brother, I'm telling you, you can read the Bible. It doesn't matter what book you're reading out of in that book tonight. How's a reading out of Ezekiel, reading out of Daniel, reading out of the New Testament? I'm telling you, anywhere you want to go in the Bible, it'll feel and feed your soul. You know why? Because we're in a thirsty, we're in a dry land where no water is. But thank God I found a good watering hole. This is a good watering hole tonight. On a Wednesday night, I tell you, I drive six hours to come home on a Wednesday night to feel what I feel in my soul tonight. Isn't that right? Brother, I'm telling you, it's good to have a place to come. What makes this church special is not the pastor, it's not the people, it's not all these things that goes on around here. You know what makes it special? We can still get a drink of water when we come in. We don't shout every service, but man, I, I get aggravated when we don't, don't you? I think we ought to. But I'm telling you, I, I mean, we've had deacons meeting. Deacons sitting here tonight, they'll, they'll tell you, we've had deacons meetings, many of them. And we're sitting around talking about the business of the church. And God shows up. I didn't think God went to deacons meetings. <laughs> but he goes to ours. He showed up and 
Laddie will tell you, man, we get to crying and praising God sometimes and we're just talking about the finances of the church. You say, well, how could you shout over that? I'll tell you, when you start looking at how good God has been, what he's let this little old church do to help missionaries uh, and to help evangelists uh, and to help others uh, and how that the more we put it out, the more he puts it in uh, and God's shovel's bigger than our little old spoon uh, and he just keeps pouring it on. I'm telling you, if he turned the faucet off tonight, I wouldn't have one complaint about it. God has been good to us, hasn't he? I'm telling you, we had a three-week revival this time last year with morning and night services and not one dead service. You know what God did? He let us sit down and get a drink of water. I'm telling you, God has been good to us. Hallelujah. Tell you what Sunday proved to me, I couldn't go to a contemporary church. Amen. I always wondered, and not that I wanted to, but I wonder, wonder what it's like to go to church one time on Sunday. Well, we all found out, didn't we? It's depressing. Isn't that right? I went home and ate apple pie and Mayfield homemade ice cream because I was so depressed Sunday night. It didn't even make me feel better. I'm like, man, I, I want to go to church, don't you? I feel sorry for people that's always trying to look for a way out of church. Well, I'm telling you, but if I went to some churches, I probably would only want to go one time a week because they're dry. They're like the Sahara Desert. No presence of God. Sometimes you can go off and preach a revival meeting and come back home and I'm telling you, even in a service where you think it might be a little bit on the stale side, you can feel the wind blowing. And you realize... How easy it could be just to, just to take it for granted tonight as we get a song ready. Ministry of small things. You know, look around in your life tonight. Think about the job God's given you. Think about the people God's put in your life tonight. They're there for a reason. God has, has, has strategically placed the people in your life right now. And they're there for a reason. Don't waste them. Minister to them and let them minister to you. I, I think about, I've used the illustration. I won't bore you with all the details, but sitting at Faith Baptist Camp and Brother Tim Green got up and preached and he preached that morning. I'd never met him in my life and the Holy Spirit said, have him preach a revival. And don't quit having him until I tell you to. And I went home and wrestled with that for a week. I said, Lord, I don't know that man. What if he, I know his dad, but I don't know him. What if he comes in here and tears this church all to pieces? I told him that. I mean, he understands. I said, Lord, what if he comes in here and it's dead? Or, and then I even said, Lord, he's a Yankee on top of that. How's a Yankee going to run a revival for a bunch of Southerners? You know, but he's became one of my closest friends. Really more than a friend, he's become a mentor. And I told him just this past week, we were texting, and I said, I want to tell you something the Lord showed me just recently. I said, when God brought you into my life, I said, I didn't know this, but I said, it was only going to be just a few years, and Brother Allen and Brother Blue was going to be gone. I said, and you're probably one of the last of the men that God will let me sit at someone's feet and learn from. And I just want to tell you, I, I thank you for that. Thank you for the godly life. He stayed at my home many times. And I usually get up about 5.30, 6 in the morning. He gets up about 4, 4.30 in the morning. When he stays at my house, I feel backslid all week. 
Because I hear him upstairs. I hear him get up and try to be quiet and go pray. I thank God for putting people in our life. I look back down through my life and where would I be at today if God hadn't brought men and people in my life that were spiritual, holy men of God that walked with God and knew how to get in touch with heaven and they lived a clean life and they knew how to pray and they had spiritual discernment. Oh, listen to me, young people. Don't waste the people that's in your life. When they give you counsel, don't you blow it off. Don't you just let it pass through and say, well, I, I, you know, he don't know. He's out. She don't know what. She better listen to him. I tell you what has salvaged my ministry has been people that's been further down the road than I have been. And I fear the day that comes when there's no more of those people in my life. Tonight as we stand, just a cup of cold water. You think you could do that tonight? You think you could give that to someone this week? Our heads are about eyes are closed. You think you could find somebody in your life and give a kind word, a word of encouragement? You could be a blessing to them. Whisper a prayer for them. Whisper a prayer with them. You say, what, what would that be? That might be just exactly what they need might be that cup of cold water that refreshes them to go down the road. (laughs) Oh, God's give you a family, a home. Thank God for your home tonight. You ought to thank the Lord every day for a good home. You say, preacher, my home is not perfect. None of our homes are perfect tonight. But you ought to thank God for your home tonight. Thank God for your parents. They're a cup of cold water. You thank God for a husband that'll come home from a hard day's work. That's a cup of cold water. You thank God for a wife that'll take care of children. That's a cup of cold water. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have them? I promise you the devil's told a lot of them. If you didn't have them, it'd be better. And it isn't. It's always worse. Thank God. Thank God for your church.